Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show, where we interview athletes, coaches, entertainers, artists, musicians, authors, and many more on both our podcast and YouTube channels. We discuss their upbringing, careers, and what they're doing today. We document the past so the future can remember. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share our programs. Got a guest you'd like to hear? Contact us and try and get them on the program. We have over 200 episodes recorded, so please enjoy. Stories can't be remembered unless they are told. Someone asked me one time how I get my guest ideas. It's easy. Those I've had memories of in my lifetime. In a weird sort of way, it brings closure to certain times in my life. A history major at Indiana State University, I feel it's my way of preserving history for future generations to remember. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Uh, with us today is guest, Dave Eha. Uh, David, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, um, I know you're, uh, you have a hectic schedule and uh, we appreciate you uh, sharing uh, your uh, story about basketball, uh, especially basketball in Indiana and keeping the nostalgia alive. Oh, thanks for having me, Billy. A big fan of uh, your work and uh, listen to the podcast quite a bit. So uh, pleased to be joined. So what I am going to do here, and um, you just tell me what you think when you see these. <laughs> oh, yes. Roger Bacon High School. Uh, man, brings back some great memories, uh, 1982 state champ team. And, um, you know, it was a remarkable run. When I look at that group, uh, we had one player on that team, Billy, that was over six foot four. And, um, we had, uh, it was a heck of a tourney run, um, three a, which in the time was the largest class in the state of Ohio. Um, and I think our last four games in that state tournament were decided by nine points um, and beat a team Barberton uh, in overtime and uh, in the state championship. Great memories. That's awesome. And, you know, who introduced you to the game of basketball? Uh, you know, I was the youngest of, of five kids, but really um, – it was my dad that got me involved in sports. Uh, my dad was a all-state baseball player, basketball player. Um, really, from the time I was a kid, there were sports, sports, sports around our house. Uh, my dad could played competitive softball till he was 78. So ever since I was a kid, um, he coached all of our teams, and we were constantly either going to games uh, or playing. Um, but ever since I was a kid, really, it was my dad that got me involved in, in all sports. Were you a big baseball fan? I was. I was a huge baseball fan. You know, I grew up in Cincinnati. And, and if you think about that, I was 10 years old at the time of the Big Red Machine. And so, you know, how could you not get caught up in, in uh, you know, Pete Rose, everybody wanted to head first slide and you ran to first base after a walk. So um, it was a great time to, to be a Reds fan and, and grow up in that era, no question. 
you know, I was born and raised in Indianapolis and uh, Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Indians was a triple A farm club for the Cincinnati Reds. So I got to see the Cincinnati Reds come to town a couple of times a year and uh, um, got to see of, uh, you know, a, a lot of the players growing up in that farm system go on to play for the Cincinnati Reds. But but what a great what a great uh, baseball program at that time. Uh, it was it was awesome, you know, and I, and as a kid, I remember this. We used to we used to go down to the Hyatt Hotel when we were young and and collect autographs from the visiting teams that would come to town. And uh, I mean, we, yeah, I remember Tommy Lasorda coming out and chatting me and a bunch of 12 year olds signing autographs and uh, cutting it up. But um, you know, I mean, that was, that was just awesome. The parades. I still remember that downtown fountain square and going to old riverfront stadium at the time. But uh um, I was hooked and, and unfortunately, as much as I love the Reds, I've also been a, lo- a lifelong suffering Bengals fan. So you kind of, <laughs> you get a little of both. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the, uh, the Bengals fan being a Bengals fan, you know, uh, Kenny Anderson was one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Oh my gosh. I mean, uh, and I think that's a guy worthy of getting in the hall of fame. But, uh, you know, I've, I've, I went to the Super Bowl in, in, uh, in 82, the loss to the 49ers. I was at the Freezer Bowl. Uh, so, and again, it was a lot of that was my dad, um, you know, taking me and, uh, and, and going. And I, I can't even count the number of games and events and, and everything that, uh, that, that we did together. It was awesome. You know, we know everything that you you went on to Ball State and and what you do now, but tell us a little bit. And, and you know about Indiana high school basketball and and the single class tournament and all that kind of stuff. But but what was basketball like, high school basketball like in Ohio compared to Indiana? Yeah, I mean, I would say you know it's it's the comparison in the state tournaments. It's it's not close. Um, you know, and I, I found out firsthand the difference. Um, it didn't take long. The very first day I got on campus at Ball State, uh, I was in the basketball office and Dan Palambizio uh, was in the basketball office and I met him my first day and we hung out that later that day. And it was amazing the number of kids that came up to him. Hey, you're Dan Palambizio from Michigan City Rogers. And, you know, and, and so that was before the internet. So, you know, you really didn't hear as much about Indiana. You knew it was one class, but it did not take long at all um, to just get a sense of how important it was. And, um, you know, in Ohio, people, I don't think could tell you, you know, I listen to your podcast and, And people can go back and they'll remember in 1977 who won the state championship in Indiana. And you may have, you know, there's a certain group of Ohio basketball fans that'll go to the state tournament every year. Um, But I, it didn't have near the statewide, um, you know, the statewide interest as you did in Indiana. Um, You know, I, I think the other thing is you would meet students on campus and everybody would talk about the sectional in Ohio. No, you couldn't find, you know, 
10 kids from different parts of the, the state that would tell you who was playing in the sectional. It's just, it was just a different animal. And, and uh, man, I, I loved it. I thought it was unique and, and uh, I jumped right in. I mean, we'd go to Muncie Fieldhouse on Friday nights before we'd have to check into the hotel. And uh, I thought it was awesome. When you were young, did you ever uh, foresee yourself doing what you do now with, you know, um, uh, with ESPN and with uh, calling Ball State Cardinals basketball? Like every other kid, when I'd be out there shooting on my own, I would be calling down the last minute. And, you know, I'd hit the game winning shot. Um, so, you know, I, I had kind of a unique experience. My next door neighbor growing up was a guy by the name of Mike Mathis that refereed in the NBA for 30 years. And, um, it was a, a neat luxury. Not only did Mike have three sons that were around my age, um, but it was a, a great opportunity. Mike would take us to, uh, every time he had a game at the Pacers, you know, we'd go over there. He would drag us in the locker rooms. We'd go on road trips with him. And so it was a great opportunity to get behind the scenes. And so from a young age, you know, seeing that if I couldn't play in the NBA or Major League Baseball, somehow, some way I wanted to stay involved or get involved in sports, whether it was coaching, broadcasting, but uh, being exposed to that at an early age, it was definitely something I thought about. Tell me, tell us a little bit more about your dad. Yeah, so uh, an amazing man. He went to Reading High School. He was an all-state center fielder, um, actually had scholarship offers to play basketball at the University of Cincinnati. Um, and, you know, he was just, he was, you know, I'm going to get kind of choked up here. He passed away about four years ago, but, you know, he basically showed me the way, whether it was in my professional life, being a father, uh, being a coach. And like a lot of coaches' sons, you know, he was maybe a little bit tougher. Um, but, you know, my dad played competitive softball. He was 78 years old. He would play in the Senior Olympics. Um, you know, and travel all over the country. And so, you know, it was, it was just awesome. You know, I would, he would play it, do a bowling league on Thursday night. He would take me there. He'd fill out his NFL card. I'm in sixth grade. He'd let me do, you know, do that with him. But, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was, it was just awesome. Uh, he was a role model and, uh, there's not a day that goes by that, you know, I, I don't think about him and, and um, you know, what he meant to me and, and really my life and, and sports in general. Growing up, what kind of a basketball fan were you? Did you follow any kind of pro team? Did you, you know, were, were you out on your basketball court and emulating a particular basketball player? Were you a, a huge basketball fan of a, a couple different basketball players? Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, I'll go back to, to Mike Mathis. Um, he had a court in his backyard that had a eight foot hoop and a 10 foot hoop. And we would be out there and play from morning till night. In the wintertime, we would have the heaters lined up. Um, but having him as an NBA official, um, 
if there was a certain player, Mike would go out of his way to either get you an autograph or if they came to town to play the Pacers. Growing up, I was a huge Los Angeles Laker fan. And so, you know, every time the Lakers came to Indiana that one time a year, you know, I'd go over there if Mike ever had a game, you know, on the road as I got older. Um, but, you know, I, I think back, like a lot of kids, Julius Irving, huge Dr. J fan, and of course, Larry Legend, you know, so, uh, and it was great because every year Mike would have a charity golf outing. So as I got older, um, I got a chance to meet a lot of those guys at his, at his golf outing, which you can see a lot of the stuff and you know, the Larry Bird ball behind me and, and a bunch of others is, is really how I come to come across a lot of that stuff. As you were going through your high school years, um, when did you, when did you start getting recruited and what school did you really want to go to and what leads, what leads to the decision to go to ball state? Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, the state championship year was my junior year. I had a good senior year. I was all city, all greater sense of league, you know, and uh, Roger Bacon, we were in there with Moeller and Elder and LaSalle. I played three stores, football, basketball, and baseball. And I was getting a lot of smaller division, division three offers, some small division one schools on the east. I really, I was, as a kid, I grew up going to Xavier and Cincinnati basketball camps, you know, and I was, it's, it's unusual to be fans of both, but I had in my mind that I wanted to go somewhere to play division one. And I kept waiting and kept waiting. And um, it was a little bit different back then because you didn't have an AAU summer circuit. And so I kind of bet on myself. Um, there was a, uh, junior college here in town. Uh, it's Cincinnati State now. At the time, it was Cincinnati Tech. And he said, you know, come here to this junior college and you'll get stronger. And what happened was he had a lot of the Division I schools writing to me that I should go to junior college for two years. And so I was about ready to do that. And I had created a, a bunch of videotapes that I was sending out on my own. Um, that was kind of one of the unfortunate things. Our high school coach really didn't do a good job of, of promoting his players. And I sent a tape to Al Brown, who happened to be a friend of Mike Mathis. They were classmates at Purdue. And, uh, and so Al Brown got a hold of me and I went over and visited and he said, look, you know, we don't have any scholarships uh, available this first year, but, you know, we'll put you on the team. You can walk on and, you know, we've got some guys graduating. And I thought about it and say, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself and come here. I didn't want to go to junior college and stay at home. It was two hours away from Cincinnati and best decision I ever made. And the really neat thing was just about, you know, three weeks ago, Al Brown was inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, and it's great. I, I texted coach and and I'm so excited for him and, and Ray McCallum going in as well. But uh, Al Brown uh, means the world to me. Um, I still stay in touch with coach. I'm, I'm so elated 
uh, for him being inducted. Um, he's meant so much in my life. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was a great mentor, um, cared about his players. Um, and, you know, we went through some great times, the NCAA tournament in 86. And then, you know, two years later when uh, Ball State let him go, you know, as a senior, um, that was tough to see somebody you cared about and the family uh, to kind of go through that and kind of see the business of college sports play out. But uh, uh, such a worthy guy, only guy to ever coach in the men's national championship game and the women's uh, quite a distinction. Okay. So I am going to embarrass you a little bit more and show a couple more photos. What do we think about, and tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, look, that's one of the shorts, Billy, you know, now it's come back full circle. You know, we got a kid on our team, Tyler Cochran, that's got, you know, legs like Robert Newhouse and he hikes his shorts way up. But yeah, um, it's amazing. You went from that to the Fab Five and now look where we're back again. Man, I have not heard the words Robert Newhouse in a long, long time. You remember that, right? I mean, yes, those were huge. Cowboys, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny. It is funny. So how is life on the Ball State campus? Because I went to Indiana State University from 86 to 90. And of course, we had two semesters. And it always just blew my mind that you guys had tri-semesters. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, Ball State is, I love the place. I mean, it is, it is such a phenomenal school. And I think you talk about an appreciation for Indiana and what I came to love is so many people from smaller towns and communities. And it was the most welcoming, friendly place uh, that I, that you could imagine, you know, and, and coming, not like Cincinnati was Manhattan, but, you know, I really embraced that atmosphere and, um, man, I, I got such an appreciation for, uh, again, the, the high school basketball and those sectional tournaments and hearing kids from the smaller hometowns, you know, talk about their experience and, um, yeah, it's, it's an awesome school. It's amazing how it's grown. We've got a beautiful, you know, arena now. And, and uh, I'm just super proud of my school. And, man, I, I, uh, I got a great gig. I mean, I get to sit courtside and do games for the school I, I went to and that I, that I love. I'm going to show you another one. Or is that the same one? Did I just show you that one? Yeah, it's the same one. It's okay. got to be one with a mustache coming up. <laughs> I, I feel it. All right. Did I? Nope, nope. The same one. Hold, hold on, hold on. I got another one here. Sorry, I, I don't have a, I don't, I do not have a uh, producer here. Let's see. Nope. Ah, there's the mustache. There you go. Yeah. And you can see the hairline really started to recede <laughs> even back then. But uh, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the, that was probably my senior year when, uh, when Rick Majerus um, took over as our coach, which, you know, we could do an hour show on just sharing Coach Majerus stories. There he is right there. 
Um, just an incredible coach. Um, you know, it's interesting when I, I talk about coach, I'll separate it in two buckets, you know, first talk about the character and some of the stories. Um, such a unique guy, and, you know, everybody that ever played or been around coach can have some stories, but um, yeah, I, there's a couple that come to mind. You know, there was a place, a rib joint in Muncie called QLs. And as we know, coach, you know, was, he loved to eat. And Billy, we would be practicing and break for free throws. And coach would leave the court. And about 10 minutes later, he'd come back with barbecue sauce on his sweatshirt. So, you know, I mean, we always got a kick out of that. And uh, just, uh, just a, a funny, funny guy. Super smart. Like he... He had a master's degree in like, you know, English literature. And so just the, you know, the, the talks that he would give us about life and direction, um, you know, and I still stayed in touch with him. I would travel a lot for work. If I would ever go out to Salt Lake City on business while he was coaching Utah, um, I would go see him. Um, you know, he's living in a hotel. Um, but from a basketball standpoint, um, I still to this day, there's phrases and things that are ingrained in my mind that that he taught me that I'll use on broadcasts all the time. And, um, you know, it was only one year, um, but it was just incredible. I used to go and sit in his office, um, you know, and I would just hang out there. By the way, he had a pop machine in his office not the basketball office, is eight by 10 office with a pop machine in it. But you would sit in there and, you know, he had, he had come from the Milwaukee Bucks and Don Nelson. So he had so many contacts, but you could sit in his office and it would be amazing the calls that he would get. I was in there one time, I remember Scott Skiles called him. He, he had him on the speaker phone. It was when uh, he had hurt his back. And he was almost in tears and he had called, you know, Coach Majerus talking about how, you know, the end of his career was coming to an end. Um, you know, he, I'd be in there and he called John Chaney talking about, hey, I'm exploring the 2-3 zone and this and that. But uh, just an incredible basketball mind and, and it's a shame we, we lost him way too young. What was it like? with that transition between coach Brown and coach Majerus, were you, you know, for example, for example, uh, coach Smith, coach Bill Smith was my high school basketball coach. And he just got into the Indiana basketball hall of fame with this induction class with coach Al Brown. And he left and uh, coach Roger Schroeder came in from Marshall high school who, and Roger Schroeder was a member of the 1954 uh, Milan Indians. And uh, my initial reaction, of course, I didn't play for Roger Schroeder, but my initial reaction was, uh, I, I, you're going to have to prove that I need to like you, um, uh, to like you. Uh, so, so what was it like with that transfer from Coach Brown to Coach Majerus? Yeah, uh, there's no question. I mean, I had been uh, with Al Brown for four years, so I was a fifth-year senior and, you know, typically what happens in that situation is a guy's going to bring in his players, really concentrate on what the future looks like. And so, you know, I was admittedly nervous that, you know, was I going to be kind of the odd man out? And to his credit, he gave everybody a fair chance. And, um, 
you know, I played quite a bit and learned a ton in the process. And it, it turned out to, you know, to be a, a really enjoyable year. Um, I ended up getting hurt at the end, uh, end of the season, dislocated my shoulder uh, about three weeks to go in the season uh, during a game came back about five minutes to go in our Mac championship game or Mac first round tournament guy went up, reached in, dislocated my shoulder and, uh, and that was it. And then we lost on a buzzer beater. So, uh, but he, he was, he was awesome. I mean, he could have very easily kind of just said, look, I'm going with the younger guys or, uh, but no, he, he was, he was brutally honest, but brutally fair. Before graduating from Ball State, what 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 was your future prospects? What what did you want to do? What what did you end up starting to do after graduating college? Yeah, so you know it's funny. I look back on it at the time. Or you know, I had considered maybe going into coaching. Um, certainly wasn't good enough to play over in Europe, but there were some connections that I had where you. I could have gone to a small country like Denmark, just not to make any money, but to go over there and play and kind of experience the world for a year. Um, but with injuring my shoulder and, you know, it's interesting. I, I listened to your podcast with coach Spence and he talked about when he was done at NC state, how he kind of, it had lost its fun. And I think, looking back on it, that's kind of where I was at. You know, I'd been through five years, knee surgeries, my shoulder, and I was just at a point I was maybe a little bit burnout. And so, you know, at that point, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take my degree and get out into the working world. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's the choice I made, which absolutely turned out fine. You know, I'd, I'd second guess maybe going into the coaching but uh, I got my fix doing that with AAU and coaching my kids and helping out at the high school. So, yeah, it turned out, turned out fine. So what do you do today besides doing Ball State basketball? Yeah, so uh, director of national accounts for a company that uh, services the restaurant industry. So my job is to go out and call on restaurant chains uh, all over the country and, uh, and sell them our, our products and services. So I've been in the, the restaurant industry for 25 years now. So it's a great gig, um, terrific industry to be in and also you know, affords me the flexibility to, to do the games and, and combine work um, you know, when I need to, if we've got a road game, uh, but great company great industry and uh, really enjoy it. Have you, or had you been to a lot of Indiana high school basketball games while you were at ball state or post ball state? Yeah, a ton. Uh, we used to have to check in to a hotel on Friday nights. Uh, we had to be there about nine 30. And so uh, it was not uncommon for us at all to go to the Muncie field house or one of the local high school games. And, uh, and do that before we had to go check into the hotel. And uh, I'll, you know, one of the things I remember, which kind of got me hooked is uh, my very first year, what we used to do uh, prior to the season, we didn't play exhibitions, we would do red and white scrimmages, 
and you would go around to the different high schools um, when we would play our inner squad scrimmages. And I'll never forget as a freshman um, going to Newcastle for an inner squad scrimmage. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is a high school gym. You know, and so uh, from that moment on, you know, you, you hear a lot about Indiana basketball, but then when you, you see that, you see the wigwam over in Anderson, um, that's when it hit home that, you know, this is, a, this is these people take it serious. Um, do you think that class basketball has kind of degraded the game in Indiana high school basketball? My personal opinion is, is I do. Um, and again, I'm coming from a, a Ohio where we've got class basketball, so I've, I've seen the differences. I get what people say that the opportunity for the smaller classes to celebrate state championships. The one thing I'll say about that, and I'll go back to what I was saying earlier, is it seemed to me there was almost as, uh, as much recognition pride on a a smaller school that maybe advanced and won a sectional as if it is now at a state tournament. So I feel like that, that got lost somewhere in the equation. It was as big a deal for a smaller school. Maybe it wasn't winning a state title, but if they won a sectional, that resonated to me with the local community and the students and people remembered that every bit as much as winning a state title in the classes. So that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it. What leads you into broadcasting and what were just like we talked about the game of basketball, what were some of the people, what were some of the broadcasters that you learned from? Yeah. So, uh, this is my 19th season. So, uh, you know, 19 years ago, uh, Ball State had an opening um, to do their games for a color analyst, and uh, they went out and asked some of us former players if we would come back. And I thought, sure. I mean, I love the game. Um, you know, it's always something I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I said, absolutely. And so, uh, I did a few games, apparently did okay. And they said, uh, you know, they had invited a bunch of players and said, that's, that's a little too much. Um, would you mind doing it full time? And I said, sure. And, uh, you know, the one thing I learned early on is if you prepare, there's nothing to be anxious or nervous about. And so I really prided myself on preparation still to this day. Um, and then you know, as far as people I listened to, um, UB Brown was was a big, you know, influence on me. Uh, Doug Collins. Um, those are guys that when I would listen to the game that they would help teach, um, you know, all the while make it entertaining, but you felt like you learned something and they knew a little bit about everybody on each team, what was going on. So, um, but, but those are guys that, uh, and, you know, and it's kind of like Romo and football. You feel like you learn, you know, you're watching a game, you get something out of it more than, um, you know, it's not just X's, X's and O's, but you do feel like you learn a little bit along the way. You know, Indiana State University, which I graduated from, has had its peaks and its valleys. 
you know, Indiana University, same way, not as many. Purdue University, same way, not as many. <sighs> What's it going to take or what is the state what is the state of ball state basketball or what's it going to take to make ball state, you know, legitimate? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And, and uh, I, here's, and man, I think James Whitford has done a tremendous job and he is the right coach. Um, I love that guy. I mean, he is, um, he has done such a great job recruiting the state of Indiana. I think we've had 10 Indiana all-stars. I think we've got three on our roster right now. So you've got to try to build a fence around the state of Indiana and get those kids. But I think Billy, whether you're talking about Indiana state or ball state or, or Indiana, and you talk about the state of the game, I don't think you can do it without talking about what's going on with the transfer portal right now and, and how that has, it's changed the game and it's, it's almost out of control, you know, and I look, you know, you take uh, James Whitford and, you know, go out and recruit Jerron Coleman, you know, at a mid-major school like Ball State, you have to find those kids that are the diamonds in the rough. And when you find those kids and you recruit them and you develop them, and two years later, they leave and go to a Missouri, um, it makes it difficult. And so, you know, it, it's, it's sad to say, but kind of the state of the, the game we're at, you know, we're, we're playing three freshmen a lot of minutes right now. And whether it's our freshmen or I see somebody else, you, the first thing that comes to your mind when you're watching a mid-major and you see a freshman say, my God, how are they going to keep this kid? And, you know, that's a, that's a problem, you know, because you don't get the continuity. You don't have those, you know, Ray McCallum, he played four years at Ball State, you know, I mean, um, you just don't have that continuity and it makes it difficult for the mid, you know, I think the mid-major guys to have that success um, over time. And so it's going to, it's kind of be like a general manager managing an NBA lineup. You know, you've got to, you've got to go get those guys in the portal that are maybe at a bigger school moving down. Um, but I think it's tough getting that continuity and the team that plays together, loves each other and have been together for a long time, you know? So it, these are interesting times. There's no question about it. I watched your call of Ball State and IU, um, Indiana University, Kokomo. And in watching the whole ball game, is it me or uh, Ball State is thick, like big, muscular? There's no, there's no bones about them. Does that, does that make sense? Or, uh, yeah. I mean, is, is yeah. a lot more time being spent in the gym or uh, lifting or in the weight room or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's incredible the uh, the strength program and and the technology that they use, you know, in their training. Um, and then you know, a lot of it is the kids nowadays. You know, back when I was you know in high school, yeah, you lifted weights a little bit it was not a big deal. Now you're seeing these kids uh, come out of high school that are so much more developed. 
you know, and, and uh, I looked at our freshman Peyton Sparks, you know, here's a young man that went from 270 pounds to 240 between his senior year and freshman at Ball State, put on a ton of muscle. And so I got to give it to kids like that, man. They put the time in and the effort, but uh, no question, strength training uh, is, is probably one of the biggest changes when you look back the differences 20 years ago, the physical maturity that you see out of these kids, particularly the ones graduating high school, it's, it's night and day from, from what it was. Uh, where are some of your favorite places to call a game, of course, besides Ball State? Yeah. Um, uh, you know what? I, 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 I like Indiana State. I mean, uh, that's, that's always been a good atmosphere, and those games seem to be competitive. Of course, Hankel Fieldhouse, you know, is awesome. You know, you're going over to Butler. Um, in our league, um, boy. You know, it's, it's, and that's something that's changed. Used to be Miami was a great place. Their program's been down a little bit. So the atmosphere um, isn't near what it was. Um, Buffalo is a, you know, that's a great place to, to play. Terrific atmosphere. They get a great crowd. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy every year our non-conference schedule. We'll typically mix in. Uh, a Big Ten team. This year we went to Xavier, you know, which was special for me going home. And, you know, that was a packed house and a great atmosphere. So, um, yeah. And there's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, doing the MAC tournament up in Cleveland, you know, that that's always a ton of fun. Um, you know, I'm still, still waiting to, to get that championship so we can make another trip to the NCAA, but the atmosphere of, of March, uh, can't beat it. It's awesome. Which have you ridden more? The racer, <laughs> the beast or the screaming demon? Definitely the racer. Um, yeah, definitely the racer and for a guy that's been to Kings Island. I was not, uh, the beast. That was, that was not my cup of tea a wooden roller coaster that rickety. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't been on the racer in quite some time, but um, yeah, bring it back to my Cincinnati roots. And for those who don't, uh, don't know, we're talking about Kings Island. Of course, the racer now goes forwards and backwards or did. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to take your word on it if it still does. Uh, so I, I have a, while you're broadcasting and, and, and calling games, do you have a, ever have a, like a, a brain fart or a brain dream? And, and how do you snap yourself out of it and focus calling a, uh, you know, a, a full basketball game? I think the, the biggest challenge is the European names. Um, <laughs> it's so uh, there are some names that you come across that no matter how many times you practice it and you know in the moment and you just can't spit it out so that's probably you know that's the biggest thing but you know in fact uh, I got my chart whoa sorry about that that's I okay got my, I got my chart I don't know if you can see this right here I kind of lost you but 
you know, so this is what I prepare for every game. So we've got Illinois State uh, tomorrow. So I kind of got all the stats here. I got my notes on each player. So, you know, that part I'm good on. But if there's a, a, a name that I can't pronounce, I'll lean on my partner, Joel. And, you know, typically I'll, I'll call him by his first name or, or I'll say, look, Joel, let's, let's get together. If, we're gonna, if I'm going to call him the wrong name, do the same thing. Nobody will ever know. So. And how long have you been calling games with Joel? uh this is our ninth year um wow. i think i did 10 with uh with the legend maury manny's and uh joel and i are in our ninth year um really enjoy that relationship i've, I've been blessed you know to spend 10 years a hall of famer like maury and and a guy that um you know broadcast the games when i played and then to sit next to him in the booth um, that was just outstanding. And, uh, I think Joe and I, I love doing the games with him. I think our, our rapport and the relationship that him and I have is, uh, is fantastic. We're Ball State's lucky to have him as our play-by-play -play guy. Is the passion about the same or tell us a little bit about the passion of the game from Ball State fans from when you were there and, you know, is it something that needs to be recaptured today? Yeah, I mean, uh, I th there's, you know, there's so many other options, um, you know, and, and uh, so I think it will get there. You know, if you look, it's not just Ball State, the attendance around the entire conference, you know, Ball State, we have great fans. Traditionally, we are always first or second in the Mid-American Conference when it comes to fans. And if we look at, you know, if it's attendance is down, we're still getting four, four to 5,000 a game. You know, there's schools in our league, Billy, they're drawing 1,200 fans at Eastern Michigan or Northern Illinois. So, um, and I think one of the things that maybe hurts a little bit is we have beautiful, large arena when you get 4,000 or 5,000 in such a big place, it can seem a little empty, um, but they're, they're starved. They, they're knowledgeable, great fans. And, uh, you know, they just want to see good basketball in the winter. And, you know, we've, we've had good crowds. Um, it's going to be really interesting with Luke Brown um, becoming eligible um a guy that's a, a local legend you know and he used to to pack the the gym at blackford and it'll be interesting to see uh how many extra fans come out just to see luke tell us a little bit about luke when, when will he be able to play and when do you think you'll see him play yeah so uh so he got the waiver from uh the ncaa and he's eligible my understanding is uh, he'll be in uniform uh, tomorrow's game at Illinois State, and uh, there's a possibility of him playing at at uh, on Tuesday night at home against Eastern Illinois. Now, you know I, I don't know that. You know the the unique thing about his situation is he couldn't join the team until the semester, which was just this past week. So you know he hasn't while he's been working out on his own and his workouts, obviously legendary and, and he's in terrific shape. Um, he's really just now getting involved with the team. So it's a, 
it's a totally unique aspect. Um, but look, the kid can play, and I have no doubt that uh, that he's going to help us. And Eastern Illinois is coached by former Evansville ace and Indiana Hoosier Marty Simmons, right? Yeah, yeah, sure enough. And uh, um, we had another Evansville um, DJ Ballantyne uh, as an assistant for IU Kokomo. So it's good to see him in uh, in the house the other day. How hard is it for you to watch a game where, you know, Indiana University Kokomo was outmanned? It's just, you know, it, it, Ball State's just a much bigger program. And, of course, any Division One program that um, IU Kokomo plays, you know, uh, but is it difficult for you to watch that kind of a matchup or, or, or to watch or call something that's a blowout? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely – you know, you got to try to keep, keep it interesting. And, you know, it's, it's certainly your preference is to have a, a close game and one that's super competitive. That's always keeps the fans interest, keeps your interest. So, um, but you know, I, I don't, it's not any more difficult. Um, and, and I recognize that, you know, one of the things doing the games on ESPN is, you know, it's not like we're ball state homers, you know, they want us to try to play it as straight down the middle. So the way I look at it, whether it's IU Kokomo or on Tuesday, the Eastern Illinois fans that are watching is they're tuned in. And so I need to, uh, no matter what the score, I need to continue to call the game and their players and, you know, not going to sugarcoat anything, but you know what, I'm going to, represent and and talk about what's going on for the no matter if it's a 10 point lead or 20 and maybe share a few stories talk about the kids on their team but um you know all things considered hey i'd love buzzer beaters or going right down to the wire but um it it doesn't matter to me if you know if it's a 20 or 25 point game i know those kids are out there still playing their hearts out Greatest game that you've either watched live, broadcasted, or played in that sticks in your memory? Wow, that is a great question. Oh, man, I have done close to 600 games as a broadcaster. And wow. And while you and while you ponder that. What's the, the, what coach is the biggest character or somebody that you're like, people don't know that this guy has got a sense of humor or has a, you know, is, is, is just, is animated or just, you know, he, he just doesn't show it. Yeah. Without question, that's an easy, easy answer for me. And, and it's, it's somebody that people will know is animated, but I've go, I've got to say Charlie Coles. Um, you know, when he was at Miami, uh, what an absolute joy to talk to, interact with. Um, I would not typically after the game, you know, we'll do our coaches show or if it's on TV, it wraps up. You know, I, I won't stick around for the post game press conferences. I would not miss a Charlie Coles post game presser, whether Miami was coming to our place or we were going there. Um, he was that entertaining and, 
And, uh, you know, before the game, and I get it, a lot of coaches, you know, they're, they want to concentrate on what's going on and they kind of little maybe could be standoffish. Charlie would, he would chat for 20 minutes. He'd interact with fans. Um, and man, he had some incredible stories. So that's one guy, and again, left us way too soon, but without a doubt, he was a special, special man. Uh, so what kind of interest does Luke Brown bring back to the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, have you, guys, have you seen a little spark in interest, or uh, will it be an interesting uh, um, um, conference season? Yeah, I mean, it's the whole dynamics. Again, I mean, it's, I think it's kind of unprecedented to have get a waiver not practiced at all and come out. And so um, I'm intrigued. I think is. Um, and, you know, I, I think the thing for me is, you, you know, just the expectations. You can't, you know, there's a lot of people looking at, you know, Luke Brown is not going to be a saver. You can't put that type of pressure on the young man. You know, and, and he has dealt with it and dealt with it incredibly, you know, an amazing, humble, just, you know, you see his interviews from all the attention that he was getting at Blackford, uh, maturity beyond his years. And so I just hope people give him a chance. There's not many freshmen, I don't care if you come in the middle of the season or right out of the gate, that come in and make a huge difference. So let him get acclimated, whether he scores 20 or he scores two. I'm not going to get too high or too low. He's got a great future ahead of him. He's a great young man. And I think he's going to bring, a, there's no doubt, he's going to bring some energy. And um, I, I'm really curious on Tuesday night to see what kind of crowd we have show up. David Eha, we went a little bit long. I appreciate you. I appreciate your uh, your stories and uh, you uh, help keeping the nostalgia alive. I uh, appreciate everything you do, Billy. And, uh, you know, I live in Columbus, Ohio, so I've got a two hour and 15 minute drive to every home game. So that's a lot of podcasts. And I appreciate you keeping me company and uh, hearing all the stories about Indiana basketball. Of course, my uh, wife was in the kitchen. I was watching Indiana University Kokomo and Ball State. And uh, all of a sudden, my wife comes out and goes, did I just hear your name mentioned? I did. <laughs> yes, you did. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. Thank you so much. You got it, buddy.